I'm Carol Cohn, and welcome to Purpose 360, the podcast that unlocks the power of purpose to ignite business and social impact. Today's conversation is about an amazing impact that a little pair of socks has made on hundreds of thousands of lives of homeless individuals in the United States. I have the honor and the joy of having an amazing conversation with Dave Heath, who's one of the co-founder of Bombas, because socks are the number one most requested clothing item at homeless shelters in the United States. The company started out that for every pair of Bombas purchased, a pair is donated to someone in need. It's the reason the company has started and its unwavering motivation to keep designing and producing better socks and now t-shirts and underwear. The company was founded almost 10 years ago in its headquarters in New York. It is now has sales over $300 million. It has donated more than 75 million items and it has a profound impact through its 3,500 giving partner network to impact homelessness in so many ways, whether it's working with shelters that address veterans or youth or LBGTQIA or families. But then they also took those great design elements and even went further for the use in homeless individuals so that the socks are dark, so they don't show the stains as much. They have even some stronger seams because homeless often are walking five or 10 miles a day. They don't have transportation. They don't have a place to sleep in many cases. This conversation has so many insights for social entrepreneurs that want to create a company based on a true need And it also shows Dave's mind about staying focused and not pulling beyond what he can truly have an impact on. So I love this conversation. Um, It's a story about a company and a team. Um, It's about the love that Sox has made, has made individuals which are so invisible in our country, more visible and adding a modicum of confidence to them so that they can evolve their lives. Join us for this conversation with Dave Heath. First, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. And also, this is really special because Bombas was founded in 2013. And so the company has a a very exciting anniversary coming up next year. So we're going to get to that near the end. But let's just start with the beginning. So can you talk about just the, you had this eureka moment where you put, you know, great connection maker. That's one of the things I do. And so just share with our listeners, what was that moment? What was the, the genesis of this amazing company? It goes back a little bit, I'd say almost kind of to my childhood where I grew up in a 
household of, of entrepreneurship. Um, I got to watch my dad start a business in the basement of our house, the old fashioned way, free, uh, free venture funding and all this stuff, you know, to get $5,000. And, you know, over the course of my childhood into my teens and twenties, I watched him build, you know, a business kind of brick by brick. Um, and, you know, combination, I guess, of maybe genetics and, and, uh, you know, osmosis, I, you know, wanted to be an entrepreneur. And so I went to school at Babson for entrepreneurship, um, kind of always knowing that my eyes and heart were set on starting my own business one day. Um, you know, I had small businesses like dog walking and (laughs) bar washing and a DJ business in high school. Um, so, so it was always kind of, you know, something I wanted to do. And so graduating from Babson with kind of the skills that, that they'd given me, um, you know, I always had my eyes and ears open for problems to solve in the world through the lens of business. Prior to Bombas, I think I'd written something like 45 business plans. I'd started three other companies um, at much smaller scale. The interesting thing about Bombas and the story that where it starts is it didn't immediately hit me that there was a business opportunity here. So 2011, February 2011, I was scrolling on Facebook. And I came across a post from the Salvation Army that said socks are the number one most requested clothing item at homeless shelters. And I remember sitting there thinking, wow, that's pretty sad. Here's an item of clothing that I've never spent more than a few seconds a day thinking about. um, And yet it's perceived as a luxury item for over 600,000 people living here in the U.S. and even more globally. I just remember it kind of sticking with me. And I remember telling uh, Randy, who's one of my co-founders, who I was working with at the time, uh, this fact. And I kind of saw a similar reaction on his face and eventually kind of wanted to do something about it. And so, you know, on a much smaller scale, we both started carrying socks around with us, living in New York City and handing socks out to people on the street um, experiencing homelessness. And that even more so validated the need, right? I had these individual experiences where I'd walk up to people who I'd never, you know, I was never, like most New Yorkers, I was never willingly engaging uh, with people in the homeless community. And here I was and saying, hey, you know, I don't have any money, but I've got a pair of socks. Do you want it? And every time the reaction was like, I pulled out a $100 bill and gave it to them. They were like, how did you know? This is exactly what I needed. I remember one one instance specifically, and this image is so burned into my mind that it was such a, I think, formative and catalytic moment for me. I saw a man take off his boots and on one foot, he had wrapped a bandana around his foot as a makeshift sock. And on the other foot, he put a uh, like a grocery plastic bag around his foot. And I was like, wow, I'm living in New York City and this person's using a plastic bag for a sock. And so, you know, I started thinking, okay, well, how can we solve this problem at scale? Because um, me running around New York City handing out a few pairs a day is not not really going to make a huge impact. Um, <laughs> and so uh, at the same time, I was obviously continuing to follow entrepreneurship and kind of business success. And Tom Shoes, who kind of pioneered the buy one, give one model, was doing incredibly well. I think they were in their fifth year of business, you know, donated hundreds of thousands of pairs, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. And I thought, wow, maybe... That's an interesting model to kind of help solve this problem is create a sock company that donates a pair for every pair that we sell. And that was kind of the, you know, inspiration. 
First of all, when you tell that story, it's so personal. And I think that's, that's one of the great foundational elements uh, to be an entrepreneur. And, and I love your background. I'm, I'm a third-generation entrepreneur. So um, I do what I do with connection making. And then Tom's at the time, they were the it you know, purpose company. I mean, everybody was going, oh my, it was kind of like when the body shop, you know, launched, you know, two decades earlier, everybody would talk about a neat erotic and Tom's, Tom's was everywhere. Like, oh my God, look at these shoes. Cause their shoes weren't exactly like the most attractive, kind of like Rockport in the early days, but it had such an amazing real story. So you and Randy, you're talking about this, but what was that moment where you and Randy said, we're in, we're going to do it. We very quickly early on realized that we would want to maybe start something together. And so we had already kind of built up the, the, the muscle memory, as it were, to, you know, when we see a problem, should we put it through the lens of is there a business opportunity here? And so, you know, we, we heard this idea in the beginning of 2011. You know, we started ruminating on it. You know, we started saying, okay, if, if we want to have real impact, you know, we want to donate a lot of socks, well, we'll need to sell a lot. And if we're going to sell a lot, we'd have to create something that, you know, is either the best product in the marketplace or something that feels differentiated from anything else that is out there. In the following kind of, you know, year and a half, um, leading up to the launch in 2013, we, went to the stores and tried every pair of socks on and tried to understand what separates a, you know, low cost commodity product like, uh, you know, Hanes for the Loom, you know, less than a dollar a pair from a pair of smart wool, you know, hiking socks that are $32. You know, we tried to understand what the difference was. And as we started to kind of go through the development process, we realized that there was actually a tremendous amount of technology and innovation happening in the premium athletic side of the stock market that was never making its way to the mass market side of the you know, consumer products. And so our process was, okay, why is that? And you know, these products, even though they're designed for athletes and marathon runners and hikers and skiers, have features that actually make everyday comfort, you know, that much better. So that was kind of our product thesis was take the technology and innovation found in high performance athletic socks and bring them, you know, to a package and and design um, that felt approachable for, you know, a very broad mass market type of consumer. And so we worked on that and, and, you know, iterated the product for over a year and a half and, you know, we were still working our day jobs at the time, kind of all moonlighting this process. And then we find out, we found ourselves, we said, okay, we have this mission that we know is there's a need for. We have this product that we think is really great. We've given it to our friends and family. They think it's really great. We've handed it out to strangers at the gym and, you know, on airplanes and people that we, you know, uh, would just meet along the way. And they would all tell us it's great. So, you know, we had this, you know, validation moment where we're like, okay, like, here we are, let's go and do this. And again, you think back 2013, there weren't a lot of direct to consumer brands, um, you know, that, that were selling directly on their own websites at that time. So we didn't have a ton of proof point to say, okay, this is, you know, how we should do it. But we came out of the digital world kind of you know, a media, media company that we worked at before. And so 
you know, and Randy's an incredible storyteller. And, you know, one of our other co-founders, Aaron, is a great creative. And so our skill sets have lended ourselves to say, okay, let's go do this online. We think this is the future. And, you know, socks is a category, you know, it's a small product. It hangs on a shelf, you know, in the retail environment, it's a low cost item. So it doesn't afford the ability to tell deep, enriched stories the way that the internet does. That kind of leads to some of the videos and stuff that we did. But we thought, okay, the, the hypothesis was, we've got this great mission, we've got this great product. If we can find a platform by which we can tell the world about you know the impact of this product, as well as the benefits of this product, maybe that will lead to some success. And so we launched on Indiegogo in August of 2013. And you had a very interesting response because you weren't expecting a lot. What was your response in Indiegogo? Yeah, I mean, you know, when I think it's also important to note that, you know, when we decided to move forward with with Bombas as a project, I don't think any of us had delusions of grandeur. You know, I think (laughs) we were like... You know, this seems fun. You know, it seems interesting. Maybe we can have some impact in the community. But, you know, how big can a sock company really be? Um, so we went out with very low expectations. Um, you know, we were trying to, you know, raise $15,000 uh, in order to place the first production run. And so we said, okay, Indiegogo is an interesting place, right? We didn't, we didn't raise any money from friends and family. We wanted to bootstrap this thing. And so we said, Indiegogo crowdfunding seems like an interesting way to like tell our story and gauge whether people care about this. And so we put the site live in August of 2013. And we did over $24,000 in our first day. And we went on to do over $150,000 in the, in the month that we ran the campaign. So by the end of the campaign, we were like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my this God. Is far more <laughs> successful and interesting than I think we had thought it was. Maybe we're really hitting a nerve on the mission and, and a, a need on the product side. And so we took some of that money, placed the production run, built a website and launched the website in August, October of 2013. And I think our next level of hypothesis was, okay, let's ship the product out to our customers see what they think, you know, and organically, do they come back and rebuy the product? Do they give us positive feedback? Do they tell their friends about it? And yeah, following October, uh, once we set the site launch, we, we continue to average about $100,000 in sales every month through kind of the beginning of 2014. So let's take a step back because I think our listeners, I mean, I hope everybody knows you, but if they don't, can you just talk a little bit about your name? And then also just how it works, because I love the fact it's, it's you, you know, you make commitments like within 12 months, I will make sure this, you know, there will be a product if you bought one or 10 or whatever, it's going to go out into our network. Explain simply how it works, but also the name, because it's about bees and hives. Bombus is derived from the Latin word for bumblebee. And the reason that we ended up landing on this is because... Bees are naturally altruistic animals. They work together as a hive, as a community. Um, and no one bee kind of goes off and does their own thing, right? They, they work as a collective. Um, and bees are also small, but they have a massive impact on the world. And we liked the kind of correlation between the idea that socks are small, but to somebody experiencing homelessness, that could maybe have a big impact on 
their comfort, on their dignity, on their daily life. Um, and what we've learned, you know, in the almost 10 years that we've been doing this is that we've actually heard of stories where people have interacted with Bombas as a brand and it's been a catalyst, you know, for them to feel seen and then turn around and want to go, you know, do something more with their lives or in aggregate of the, you know, over 75 million items we've donated, we've heard from giving partners who have been able to save enough money to send kids in their community to college or, you know, buy, you know, uh, needed items or provide you know, services to their community because they don't uh, have to go out and purchase these products. And so that goes back to the model, right? Which is, you know, most people don't understand that you can't donate used socks for hygiene reasons. And socks are typically a wear through items. So, you know, you and I will wear them until they get a hole and then they go in the garbage. So it not only becomes the most needed item because people who are experiencing homelessness, right? They're typically walking everywhere. They're afraid to take their shoes off at night because they don't want someone to steal them. So all of this leads to major foot issues, um, especially if you don't have the correct pair of socks. And for any of us that have, you know, visited a city and packed the wrong pair of shoes or, or you know, not wearing the right type of socks, you develop a blister and, you know, can really ruin your day. Um, now these people, that's their main mode of transportation. So you imagine kind of foot hygiene becomes incredibly important. And so, you know, homeless shelters are required basically to use budget to go out and buy new socks and typically underwear as well, you know, to then go out and donate these products. So the beauty of our business model is that we were solving a very specific need uh, in the homeless community and, and for our giving partners. and. When I talk about our giving partners, you know, when we started the company, we didn't know how to donate right. socks other than right. hand them out, you know, right. in the street, but we didn't know how to donate them at scale. So I literally typed into Google, I said, you know, stock, you know, donation charities. <laughs> right. Right. And I found this one charity in Cleveland, Ohio called Canna Socks. And I called them and I said, can you talk to me about how this works? You know, what do you do? And they said, well, we're a distribution hub. We get socks from all over the country. And then we support, you know, a network of, uh, of giving partners um, from people around the country. And so they were kind of our first partner. Um, and they also really helped us understand, you know, the product needs of the homeless community. I think what one of the questions that people also wonder is, do we donate the same product that we sell? And for the first six months of the business, we were we were donating the exact same product that we were shipping to customers because it was really important to us that we don't per further perpetuate that you know the, the notion that they're second class that they, they deserve less product, right? So we wanted to give them the same joy and comfort that our paying customers were experiencing by giving them the same product. And it wasn't until speaking with our charity partners that we realized that that maybe the product that we were producing for our paying customers wasn't optimized for someone experiencing street homelessness. So we did six months of R&D to find out, okay, let's use darker colors to show less visible wear. Let's reinforce the seams to provide greater durability. And let's use a, an antimicrobial treatment to help prevent the growth of fungus and, and antibacterial um, issues that, again, if you're not changing your socks every day or having access to a washing machine and all of a sudden it becomes incredibly important. And so we developed our donation sock product 
and and I think it's important because this was kind of the first moment at, in in the start of the company where we said we have two sets of customers, right? We have our paying customer, you know, and then we have our non-paying customer um, in the homeless community. And for us, it was really important to think about our non-paying customer as a customer, right? And develop product through the lens of somebody, you know, that we are that we are in business to serve. You might be the only or the first company that actually looked at the homeless market as a true customer. And whether you're making money, you're not making money, but you are being a, supporting them. You're being a servant to them. And again, I, listeners, you've got to watch their videos because when you just see the authenticity of the interactions, whether it's Dave or Randy or just, you know, someone on their staff, their team, you know, interacting with a homeless person, giving them dignity. So what's one of your favorite stories that um, when you've interacted with your constituents here, not your consumers, but your recipients, um, what's your favorite story? One of my favorite stories is in, I think, year four, we did an event called 60K Day. Um, and we, we, the, the, the premise was that on any given night in New York City, over 60,000 people experiencing, are experiencing homelessness. And so we wanted to kind of get this message out. And we brought together 60 brands from, you know, PayPal and Gap, you know, to some of our other direct-to-consumer friends like Birchbox and Glossier and, you know, uh, Harry's and Warby. And we wanted to give each of the 60 companies a thousand pairs of socks and send them out to one of 60 shelters in New York to deliver those socks so that... We were giving 60,000 pairs to the 60,000 people experiencing homelessness on that night. It's just a way to kind of, you know, draw attention to, you know, this issue that was happening in our own backyard, one of the wealthiest cities in the world. And Randy was interacting. Shake Shack was one of our, was one of our partners there. Um, and they had so graciously donated the food for the event, you know, hamburgers, hot dogs and, and hot chocolate. And Randy ended up interacting with one of the, the the people working at Shake Shack who was pouring hot chocolate. And he came over and he said, hey, I just want to let you know, you know, a year ago, I was homeless in Madison Square Park and feeling really bad about myself. And someone came over and handed me a pair of Bamba socks and, you know, a little bit of money. And you know, on the back of the packaging that we have, you know, it's, it's a message to the homeless community that, you know, Hey, we hear you, we see you, you know, we, we, we want you to feel dignified. And he said, he thought a lot about that, that there was this company and people out there that cared about him, you know, or thought about him. And it kind of was a motivating moment for him to, you know, get his life back together. And a year later, he was working at Shake Shack, which, you know, for those that don't know, is based in Madison Square Park and one of their, their, their original location. And so that moment always reminds me that, you know, this item that we think is just maybe a small act of kindness or maybe provides someone a little bit of comfort, um, you know, in their day can actually have a much larger impact. That, that's, a be- that's a beautiful story. You have created this amazing infrastructure to deliver the socks and to support 
just this incredible um, consortium of um, giving partners. So talk about the giving network, because 3,500 partners is extraordinary. As I said before, kind of started with this one partner that we had in, in Cleveland, Ohio. And, you know, I think what was somewhat unique about our business model that was different than a Tom's or different than a Warby um, is that we were focused on the communities in our own backyards, right? So Tom's originally started by sending shoes to Argentina, and then they delivered shoes to a lot of uh, third world countries where kids you know, don't have access to, to footwear. Um, Warby, again, similarly, you know, through um, the Vision Network, was working with third world countries that don't have access to, you know, traditional eye, eye, eye care. For us, you know, we thought it was important um, to, you know, donate and connect with the communities that were in our own backyards. Um, the same way that we kind of originated the idea with me handing out stocks in, in New York City. Over the years, we said homelessness doesn't just exist in New York or San Francisco or LA, right? It exists in every single community. I had the privilege of growing up, you know, in in an upper middle class um, town in, in Westchester County, and even there, you know, at the at the local church, there is a you know, soup kitchen, right, for people who don't necessarily have the, the means by which to you know afford a meal. And so I'm always reminded by the idea that homelessness exists everywhere or people who are on the brink of homelessness. Um, and so we kind of cast a broader net to save those in need. And so as we grew as an organization and as we had customers in California and customers in Massachusetts and customers in Alaska and customer, you know, as our customer network, you know, represented the the US population, we thought that it was that we thought that our, our non-paying customers should represent, you know, the same places where our customers are purchasing. And so it led us to this idea of creating a giving network. We wanted, we thought it was important to have connection with all of the communities that we were selling our products into, we thought it would be important connections with those communities where we were donating product as well. And so over the years, we built out a network of over 3,500 giving partners uh, that are mostly made up of you know homeless shelters or organizations that um, really focus on uh, you know the, 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 the poorest population in our country to help them get services or items in need. And not surprisingly, uh, universally, socks continues to be the number one most requested clothing item that that they put in a request for. And so where this actually all kind of really started from is, as we started to get more broad stream media attention, we were on the Today Show, we were on Shark Tank, we were on Good Morning America. We had people reaching out and saying, hey, I run a shelter in Juneau, Alaska. How can I get some of those donation socks? And so we started building out a form and a team internally just to service this part of the business. And so we've got this amazing giving team internally um, that liaises with every all 3,500 partners. Um, and, and they're all different. You, you treated it 
not as a bolt on or an afterthought or this is this you know somebody's job after five, after five you treated it as core to the essence of what bombus was and one of the things in one of your videos you talk about is you determine the real-time needs of giving partners before you just sent them product and then you ask them when do you need it it was it was great customer relations and I think that that's such a strong um, insight for anyone who's going to take either at the center of their business, their purpose, or that wants to be a key part of it. So, so that's brilliant. I think it's a great parallel, actually, because, you know, I think to, to really crystallize that thought for the listeners is, you know, if you opened up an account with Nordstrom's, right? You wouldn't just start sending the product, right? <laughs> right, they, right? They'd say, we can take this product. We'd take the spring product in spring. We'll take the winter product in winter. We can take this amount at this time for this store. And, you know, you'd work with them, right? Because they're a client. And so that customer lens mentality that we apply to the giving side of our business reminds us to treat our giving partners like clients because ultimately they're serving customers, you know, on the non-paying side of our business. That's brilliant. And I also love the fact that you were expanding the scale and the impact of this little pair of socks. And so that you have, in terms of your local giving network, you focus on veterans, youth, families, you address food insecurity, special support for LBGTQIA, you provide the groups that provide educational services, coordinating foster foster care. I mean, this is the, you know, the pebble in the pond, but those ripples are just profound. So on that, I want to ask this following question, because you have two children here that you love equally. You know, you have great socks, and now you have T-shirts and underwear. You have a great commitment to a cause. And I love on your website that you actually have Q&A and resources to talk about homelessness because it's not an easy issue. Does one of these parts of you have primacy over the other? Never. Never. <laughs> okay. we, we always said that. You know, from the moment we launched our Indiegogo campaign, right, the two pillars of the business are the mission and the product. And because the mission is dependent on the product, it they can never be separated, right? Because the more we sell, the more we donate. And the more we donate, we feel like that helps push the brand forward to encourage customers to come back and feel good about their purchases. And you know, we close the loop through them, as you were saying. I mean, we most recently just launched um, this thing called the Impact Report. And for the longest time, we wanted to find ways to harvest the data amongst the 3,500 giving partners we have to truly understand the, 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 the broad and local impacts that we're having you know, in, in, our, in these communities. And so rather than just put together some you know, PDF white paper uh, and send it out, we built this microsite that, you know, is animated and has interactions to, you know, try to encourage, um, you know, our, our customers to understand this is, you know, the impact that you are having in your purchases is real. I want to give some of those numbers because in your impact report, um, 61% of giving partners say that working with Bombas has increased community impact. Um, I love the 99%. 
um, of your giving partners say that working with you has allowed them to increase their their overall 99% overall impact in the community. That's that pebble in the pond that is so profound. So incredible kudos to you. Can you talk a little bit about the Black Hive and the Rainbow Hive? Because these are new collections. And again, you're extending, you know, you're staying to the core, but then you extend just a bit with great wisdom. What's interesting about being an impact-driven company is one of the things that we learned early on was you can easily fall into the trap of wanting to do everything, right? Like if you have a good, if you have, if you have good intent, you say, well, of course I want to solve, you know, cure cancer. I want to, you know, solve climate change, you know, all the kind of big ones. And so early on, we found ourselves, you know, we made pink socks in October for breast cancer awareness month. And then, you know, we, we just found ourselves kind of chasing all of these impacts to try to be everything to everybody. And when our employee research group um, around the LGBTQ plus IA community came together and they said, hey, we'd like to do something for Pride. And so at first, we were going back to the, you know, the, the, the breast cancer awareness month socks. And we're like, look, you know, our mission is homelessness. You know, we, we've got to stay true and focus on kind of that root cause. And with a little bit of research from that, that group, what we quickly realized is that homelessness has a disproportionate impact on the LGBTQ plus IA community, specifically teens. So over 40% of teenagers who identify as LGBTQ plus IA um, have experienced homelessness, right? Because they're pushed out of their homes, they're not accepted in their communities. And so that was a key tie-in for us to say, oh, we should be doing something to bring awareness to the LGBTQ plus IA community, but we do it through the lens of homelessness, right? We bring, we, we bring it back to our root cause. And then the same thing, with the Black Hive is our employee research group um, internally that represents as, as Black. Um, we said, uh, obviously, with the uprise of last year, we wanted to do something in the community. And so we, you know, we said again, okay, how do we tie this back? We, we need to do something because the issue is so important. But how do we tie this back? And similarly, you know, we found a staggering fact that while the black population is about 13% of US population, it represents over 45% of the homeless population is black, right? So a disproportionate, again, bias towards that community. And so we invited all of the black creators in our organization to create a collection of socks that they were then the models for the advertisements in to bring, again, awareness. And all of the proceeds, the sock proceeds, uh, were donated to specific uh, giving partners that served Black communities. And same thing with the LGBTQ plus IA pride campaigns. Uh, those go to serve uh, organizations that focus on those groups. So how did you have the discipline not to chase everything? Where did that come from? Babson? Did it come from your gut instinct? Um, where you, you have to be disciplined. You do. And, and you know, it, it It goes to the broader base, I think, of what in talking with a lot of other successful entrepreneurs and mentors that have kind of built big, bigger businesses. I think the pretty common thread that all of them landed on at some point was focus, 
right? Focus is the key. Um, it's kind of like a marketing 101, you know, I- I- ideal, right? Which is you can't tell a hundred stories to the customer, right? So tell one story and tell it really well, so much so that the customer can then repeat that story. And so what we found over, you know, the time and both anecdotally of me just being around friends and, you know, meeting customers and they'd say, right, you're the brand that, that says socks are the number one most requested clothing item. So you donate a pair for every pair. That's the one idea that I want every customer to know about. And I want them to just have that ingrained in their head. And so when we started getting pulled towards wanting to do other things, we said, no, we have to stick to telling the one story that we know how to tell. The one story that we know how to tell. So my comment that focuses your friend, brilliantly executed by Bombas. Um, Thank you. A, welcome. A, a question about the, the buy one, give one model. Um, Tom's has steered off of that. And there have been many that have tried and it, it kind of got into the washing of that model. Is that model dead? I mean, obviously not for you, but you know, as there's a young entrepreneur, older entrepreneur sitting there listening to this and they go, Hmm, maybe I could do it with X, Y, Z. Is there still an option to do that? You know, uh, there is, uh, you know, but it's not for every category. I think what was so unique about, the the problem that we were solving is that a you know homelessness is not static right so ninety percent of the people who experience homelessness are are what are called transitional homelessness it means that in any given twelve months they will go in or out of homelessness now ten percent are chronic homeless those are people who will experience homelessness beyond twelve months and so it's a population that's a revolving door right so con- people are constantly coming in and out of homelessness. So the need for this product, and also since it's a wear-through item, you know, is is ever present. Um, and so we are kind of fulfilling this leaky bucket, as it were. Right? We're just putting more water, you know, and then it's going out the other side. Um, whereas I think with Tom's, what they found, you know, they they were the pioneers of this. So you know, they had to learn a lot of lessons along the way. Is that their impact in these local communities? Well, shoes a last a lot longer than something like a pair of socks. And they found that in some communities they were going into, they were actually having a negative impact where they were, you know, the local artisans who were making shoes, even at a limited supply, would be pushed out of business. What I'd also say is, you know, the prolification of, you know, social entrepreneurship or, you know, business for good over the last 10 years that we've been running has found its way to show up in a lot of different ways. You know, in some it's let's donate a percentage of our sales to an organization that has an impact on the climate or, you know, whatever community. Um, some they've found unique ways to recycle products. And so so Social entrepreneurship has evolved over the time, and I think for the better, right? Because it's there is not a one-size-fits-all model, right? And so I think what's really important, I use the most extreme example. You couldn't start a car company and say, we're going to buy one and give one. The margin is like 5% of cars, right? It's right. super, super low. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas our product has a very high margin, and you get massive economies of scale by producing our donation product at, in in the tens of millions, which we're producing every single year, that brings the cost of that product down, even though it's at the same quality of the product that we're selling. So, you know, 
don't rush to think that, you know, any one model, you know, just because we did it and we're successful, it means you should apply it to whatever you want to do. Figure out, again, go through the customer lens project, figure out what makes sense the most to the consumer that you or the, the community you want to have an impact in, and then back into that model into your business. And, and you have to make sure fiscally it works, right? Like, before we even started, we said, okay, what's the cost of the sock? What's the cost of the donation sock? We need to then sell it for, you know, why? Because, you know, we have to cover the cost of, of this additional margin. So it's not dead, but again, it's not universal where it works uh, with everything. So let's turn a little bit to the future in the 10th. So I know you do not want to, you know, take the entire cover off of what you're going to do, but can you tease us a little bit about what's going to happen? And because everything you do is just good. It's fun. It's important. It's caring. It's, I, I call it delicious. I love, yeah. I love your brand and I love what you do, but what, what are you going to do for the 10th? Um, so 10, 10 years will be next, uh, August for us, um, yeah, I can't. I can't speak too much because uh, you know I think my PR my my, my PR team would would kill me. Um, but we're, we're going to do something big. You know, it, it's going to celebrate not only a, a year milestone. It's going to, I think, pretty perfectly line up with a big donation milestone. So, oh, nice. Um, okay. Cer- certainly more to come. I but, bet I know that um, donation milestone. It might have like a hundred and something in it or something like that. But yeah, maybe, okay. Yeah. All right. So I, we won't pull the cover off of that. Um, I'm sure curious about you've been doing this journey for almost 10 years. What is the most unusual thing that's happened with the notoriety that you've gotten? I'm happy to say that I don't have any personal notoriety. I mean, you know, I, I think very intentionally, me and the other co-founders, we decided early on that that we wanted Bombus to be the focus, right? Not us as entrepreneurs. Um, I don't think uh, I don't think this world needs to celebrate any more white men personally. Um, so we uh, we we wanted to keep the the focus on the brand, on the impact, on the on the product, and so I think from the brand's notoriety. Um, one of the things that has has brought me a ton of joy, a on the mission side, I think you know to date we've donated over seventy five million items, and the stories that we hear back from our giving partners, I, you know, I alluded to one before where you know a giving partner was able to send kids to college as a result of of not having to buy socks, and it's just one story of again of thirty five hundred giving partners times seventy five million items. I can't even wrap my head around. The, the individual impact that we have had. Um, but that brings me obviously a, a tremendous amount of pride and joy. I think the other side is, you know, we've, we've done things the right way. Uh, we've done things at scale, you know, I think different than a lot of our other, you know, direct to consumer peers, we didn't raise a lot of money. We raised a million dollars of seed funding, you know, after we'd done about a million dollars of revenue. We'd raised three million after we'd done close to 15 million. And that was the last money we brought in. So we built our entire business, which is now over 300 million in annual revenue on $4 million of capital raised. That's and, outrageous. You know, while being able to have the impact that we've been had in our community and, and what is on, on the brand side or the business side, what has brought me a ton of joy is. Hearing from the next generation of entrepreneurs, and I've already seen a bunch of 
brands start that say, I want to do things the way Bombas did it. I don't want to raise a lot of money. I want to have a lot of impact in my community. You know, I want to treat our employees right. You know, I think for the fifth year in the row, we've been named Fortune's number one best place to work in retail. You know, so looking back on what we've done, I know I can go to sleep at night and say, we did it the right way, right? We, we didn't compromise the product. We didn't compromise the mission. We didn't compromise our culture. We didn't compromise our customers. Your head screwed on right. Your heart screwed on right. It's just wonderful to see. You know, I hate to end this because this is a wonderful conversation. And I just think that more and more and more and more people need to know the entire holistic way that you've put this business together because it's very business oriented and and it's very, very thoughtful. So, so is there anything else that we haven't covered? Is there an insight that you say, you know, you've given a lot of insights, but just one or two things that you'd like to, to leave with before we have to say goodbye? You know, the, the best advice I could give to, you know, anybody, you know, wanting to, you know, start a impact driven companies is find your superpower. And this is, you know, speaks to both how you run your organization internally from a product standpoint, but also the mission side. And so we had gotten to a point, I think it was like year four or five, we've donated 30 million pairs. And it was a number that like our brains couldn't even comprehend, right? We couldn't wrap our heads around it. But we know that we've gone from you know, zero to a million to 5 million, 10 million. Now we're doing 30 million. And we're like, wow, this thing is unstoppable. And the team, they, they started asking the question like, okay, well, what more can we be doing? Right. We've kind of like done this sock donation thing. Um, and we asked a lot of questions around, okay, should we go to Capitol Hill and create activism for homelessness? Should we open up our own homeless shelters? Should we address climate change because climate change is going to have an impact on homelessness, right? We, we kind of ran this very broad, you know, uh, almost impact brainstorming. And ultimately, what we came back to was the realization that we are really good at selling and donating socks, right? And it is a need that we have not yet fulfilled, right? We have an opportunity to then create Underwear, which is the second most requested clothing item at homeless shelters. T-shirts, which is the third most requested clothing item at homeless shelters. You know, the items that we all wear closest to our body every single day are the items that people in the homeless community, you know, need to, you know, rotate as much uh, as possible, you know, for hygiene purposes. So that, that entire exercise of saying, should we do climate change or homeless shelters or impact or what are these, you know, lobbying got us back to realizing, no, what we are good at is donating, is, is selling and donating socks, tees, and underwear. And that's how we continue to create our impact. And so, you know, if this, this idea of focus, right, that I've been talking about a lot throughout this podcast, it's come back to the thing that you are good at and just be really, really, really good at that thing. That's, that's, that's really, really super. So... Dave Heath, you know, I know that we always do something for holiday for our clients and we always like to donate to um, a worthy cause. I, but I can see what we're going to buy. And um, that that's kind of that's so easy. And of course, it, you know, every time I put my Bomba socks on, I'm just going to think of this incredible um, conversation. But the impact that I am having, because, you know, I really feel that based on what you've created, I wrote down this little line, and I hope I haven't stolen it from you, but it's the love that socks made. 
I mean, you're providing love and visibility and taking about the invisibility of the homeless community. And you're doing it in such a concerted and focused manner. So thank you for coming on the show. What I will offer to you is that please come back next year on your 10th and we can do a little bit of like, wow, that was an amazing idea. Um, if that's okay, would you come back? Awesome. And say hi to Randy and your entire community. And thank you so much. This has just been a wonderful, heartfelt, and so strategic conversation. Thank you, Dave Heath. Thank you, Carol. This podcast was brought to you by some amazing people, and I'd love to thank them. Ann Hundertmark and Kristen Kenny at Carol Cohn on Purpose, Pete Wright and Andy Nelson, our crack production team at True Story FM, and you, our listener. You know, we love hearing from you, so please give us feedback. Let us know names of people you'd like to hear on a future episode. How about some new questions to ask? And also, please rate and rank us because we really want to be as high as possible as one of the top business podcasts available so that we can continue exploring together the importance and the activation of authentic purpose. We all know every company, every brand, every not-for-profit must define their purpose, refine it, and activate it and evolve it over time so it has the greatest impact on business, growth, and society. And by listening to these episodes and sharing them with your colleagues and talking about them, I want to inspire you to have an amazing answer to this question. What is the power of your purpose? Thanks so much for listening.